This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never. The movie just didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. This week, I'm joined by my friend Dan, and we're watching a movie that neither of us has ever seen before. Caddyshack from 1980. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Finally uh, begged me enough to be on this thing. I didn't beg. <laughs> I just asked repeatedly for a really long time. That's fair. I wanted to do it. I nagged. Yeah, you yeah. nagged, but it... Uh, it's it, totally different. Yeah, it worked out. It Good. Worked out. I'm, I'm glad. Um, just took a whole year of it. Yeah, finally got you. I waited till I was completely sick to uh, be on this podcast. Yeah, so you're really, uh, you got like a head cold, you're stuffed up. Yep, it just started happening the last few days, uh, so it was was perfect timing for to be on the radio. It's going to make for great sound quality, yeah. Yeah. But I I feel like I have to interject here that this is a two for one on Better Late Than Nevering today, because... I have just given you your first ever dose of Dayquil. I think so. I like can't recall if I've taken it before. I mean, I know I've taken cold medicine before. I just don't remember if I've taken Dayquil. I was like sort of, I get like weird with certain medicines where I like, you know, get like stomach aches and stuff. So I'm like, I'm sort of hesitant to take a lot of like random medicine. You won't even take a Dayquil? Well, no, I would. I mean, I did. Right. But, I mean, you were hesitant about that? That's pretty well, low on well, the totem pole of medication. No, it's like I would have totally taken it, but I was, like, worried that I'd be, like, on this show and then I'd, like, get drowsy. I know it's, like, a non-drowsy. It is quite the opposite. In but, like, fact. some people get drowsy with these, like, even the non-drowsy things. And, like, oh. that can happen. Interesting. Well, it's it's actually, that's sort of how Adderall in its prescribed form is supposed to work. Adderall's an upper but the idea of prescribing kids with ADHD Adderall is that there's something called the reversal effect where in giving these kids an upper, it can actually have a calming focusing effect right, on them. Right, Not how Adderall is always prescribed or used. <laughs> no, definitely not. But how it's intended anyway. So, all right, well, we'll see how this Dayquil, which is also a little methy. Yeah, so I was like worried you. that like I'd, you know, and then I'd watch this comedy that we're going to watch and I'd be like sleepy during it which is like not conducive to comedies no. and i'm also sick and like so it hurt it like probably hurts to laugh so it's it's like the perfect opportunity to watch a comedy it hurts to laugh jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll see how it goes speaking of this movie so caddyshack this was your choice uh why'd you pick this one well i was totally separate from this podcast i had been meaning to watch this movie 
because like forever ago I read like, you know, I don't know, I was probably bored and was like looking for a movie to watch and I was like, oh, like what's like best comedies? I was like looking for a comedy or whatever. And mm-hmm. like this was on a list of like one of the best comedies of all time. So, and I went to watch it like at a separate point because I was like, oh, I remember like watching like Caddyshack or whatever, or whatever I was thinking like, and I was like, oh, let's, I should watch that movie. Yeah. But the problem is I like confused it with Groundhog Day. Okay. Because I knew there was like, there's like a groundhog in this movie. Yeah, we'll I, we'll I, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I, I like, and I ended up watching Groundhog Day, and I was like really confused. <laughs> Wait, had you never seen Groundhog? <laughs> no, Day? I hadn't. I mean, I I've seen it now because I watched it by mistake when I was trying to watch Caddyshack. Right. How long ago was that? Uh I don't like a couple years ago. Whoa! Yeah, that's really late to not have seen Groundhog Day. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm like, re- now I really need to see Caddyshack. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of Groundhog Day? It was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, I w- like I wasn't sure going in what it was like about. I mean, you also thought you were watching a different film for half of it, right? I mean, I, I figured out pretty quickly that this was not because I knew Caddyshack was like about golfing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then I was like, wait a second, this is like, and then all of a sudden, like once I started watching Groundhog Day, it was like one of those things where you're like, oh, you like sort of realize what this movie's about, like. Like, I've definitely heard, like, you know what up. Groundhog Day and is. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is this movie. It's a Groundhog Day scenario. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, uh, I mean, in terms of what our predictions will be, they both have Bill Murray, so. Yeah. Are they, I, I didn't look this up. I, like, purposely didn't look stuff up for this movie. Like this That's fine. Um, is it also a Harold Ramis movie? Yeah. 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 Okay. You started talking about it a little bit. I've had the same experience where I see Caddyshack on all these lists so it's it's come for me also this is coming in with a lot of hype so i keep seeing it on best comedy lists and i also sometimes see it on like best sports movie lists because it's a golf movie that's pretty low bar most sports movies are pretty bad i guess that's true i mean what would you consider the best sports movies i mean like i can name movies that are considered good but honestly like something i'd like love to watch right I, mean, I always like hear is, is Miracle good? I, I don't. I haven't know. seen that one. I, yeah, I, I think know. it's considered good. Yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking more like Mighty Ducks. No, that's a good one. That is a good one. Or um, well, there's like so this slap shot, which is like supposed to be another funny like hockey movie. Yeah. I know Bull Durham is considered really good, but I haven't seen that one. I've seen A League of Their Own is okay. Uh, yeah. Is the Sandlot a sports movie? Totally. Know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did like The Sandlot a lot. I mean, there's also a difference between, like, comedy sports movies and, like, you know, inspiring, like... Sports you know, movies. Yeah. Like The Natural. Is Field of a... Dreams. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Varsity fair. Blues. Oh, Varsity Blues. I don't want your life. Uh, Is that know... James Vanderbeek? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, back to the movie at hand. Um, so, both of us, I'd say, are feeling like this movie's coming in with a lot of hype but uh, have you heard anything from other people about the reputation of this film like do you know anyone who's seen it i think just like older people like you know in my family and stuff it's sort of one of those like oh yeah this is like a great cla- like, you know classic comedy but mm-hmm. you know older people have a terrible sense of comedy most of the time i agree and just taste in general yeah well do you, do you think it's worse for comedy than anything else? Because I do. It might be. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I was thinking, like, possibly horror, but, like, but this isn't actually, like, good old horror movies. Yeah. It's old comedies are, like, generally pretty bad. That said, I mean, like, I love Ghostbusters. 
mm-hmm. and that's a Harold Ramis like Bill Murray kind of movie. Yeah, although Harold Ramis didn't direct that one. Oh, that's right. He's just Egon. Doesn't didn't he write? He didn't write it though. Um, I think he did write it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, like his style of comedy in like any way seemed to be appealing. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, and I also thought it was like. I have like a sense that this movie's gonna have like be like Animal House esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you what, like Animal House? I'm actually wondering if I've like seen that movie all the way. I've definitely like seen the movie, but it might have been like one of those situations where it was like, you know, it's on TV and you're like sort of yeah. watching it. So like disjointed. I definitely like parts of it. Um it, there's like some funny moments in that movie. Um I mean a lot of these movies, like sometimes you take them for like little scenes they're just like funny parts and it's like if the whole movie is not like super cohesive and like a great film you like sort of excuse it because it's a comedy right right it's basically it's a great movie for youtube clips yeah Yeah. exactly you can pull that five minute scene out of it and watch that over and over again and it's fantastic right like lots of movies are like that i mean like well i actually say this is a good movie start to finish but like zoolander is like you can watch just like clips of that movie and it's pretty funny yeah but, like, it doesn't matter if the whole movie, like, is a great story. Right. And it's not a movie, and it also predates YouTube, but kind of turned out to be exactly the right thing for the YouTube era, which is Family Guy, which is all about, basically, the the episodes are never designed very well and don't hold together, but they put all their energy into individual segments and scenes, yeah. which you can pull them out completely context-free and might be pretty funny. But watching a whole episode can be kind of tedious and right. not great. But as so long as you're just watching it on YouTube, it might actually be kind of good. Yeah, so also what I don't know about this movie is like, so a lot of these, the characters and stuff in the movie, like the the actors, there's a lot of famous actors in this movie. Is this like before they were like themselves, like famous? Mm. Or, yeah, so I'm not sure about that. Or some of the tropes that this movie, like sometimes with old movies, you worry that you're like seeing it out of context of the time where like the tropes have been like so established and you're like, Oh, that's like sort of like not that funny. Cause it's like been done a million times, but maybe it started it. Yeah. And so it was original at the time. Well, we, I think we run into that a lot on this podcast where you get people who are totally familiar with a certain trope and then they see where that trope came from and it just doesn't have the same kind of power, you know, yeah. because they've seen it a million times. And unfortunately in its diluted unoriginal form, until finally you come back although i'm sometimes curious to see where it does still hold up you know that's basically what i want to explore is you know does that dilution effect from the culture at large take away from the original so you know you get something like jaws with like animal attack stuff or alien with you know all the horror stuff it introduces like does it still hold up yeah like psycho like like put so many like horror movie tropes and like you know the serial killer like crazy slasher type of thing but like that wasn't not before psycho yeah um you started on to it and i want to continue on that line about uh actors who might be in this movie so we've already mentioned bill murray who else do you think is in this i don't know if harold ramis is in it but i assume he like might be but maybe he's just behind the camera i'm not sure um i think chevy chase is in this okay um is jim um, jim belushi might be in it i'm not sure i don't know yeah i don't know um well for me and also just to remind everyone so when it's a movie that i haven't seen i write my predictions down ahead of time before i do any research on the film so they're not compromised by that research so yeah so the predictions that i wrote down for who's in it bill murray yes 
uh, I think Rodney Dangerfield is in this. Oh, that sounds right. That definitely sounds right. And I also put down Chevy Chase, but I wasn't sure. I was like, I feel like, so my, I've, I've caught a few moments of this on TV as well. And so I, I have a slight idea about it. So I think Bill Murray is going to be kind of a, a periphery character. I think Rodney Dangerfield will be the main character. And then there's a second guy who's like the co-lead. And I think it's Chevy Chase. Oh, see, I assumed Bill Murray was the main character. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be right or wrong, but. Uh, well, I don't know either. Yeah. Because um, I didn't read the plot or anything, just stuff around okay. it. But um. Yeah, I think Rodney Dangerfield would be the main character. Because the scene I saw was Rodney Dangerfield playing golf. Yeah, I think that, that's that, actually sort of is hitting my mind's eye here. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure he's with another guy. And I think that's Chevy Chase, but whoever it is, the other guy is the other lead. Yeah. Do you worry this movie's going to be like a lot of just like people in ridiculous golfing outfits? Yeah. Like I, doing goofy things? Yes. And I what I also worry about is kind of back to what you were saying about people becoming themselves or their personas that they're known for. So I know Rodney Dangerfield is a comedy legend and I know that comics in particular really respect him and I'm sure he's great, but my exposure to Rodney Dangerfield is pretty limited and it's mostly limited to the classic quote unquote Rodney Dangerfield shtick. Right. I, yeah, if if he's in this movie, which I think we're assuming he is now, like Rodney Dangerfield is going to play Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. That's like sort of what my prediction is for his character. Hey, I don't get no respect over here. Yeah. And I just don't love it. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure it was good for its time and maybe he brings other stuff to the table, but I, that particular persona never really did it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, yeah, he can have some like funny moments, but it's like, it's one of those things where it definitely will take you out of the film. Because yeah. you're like, oh, this is definitely just Rodney Dangerfield playing himself. Yeah, this isn't a character. This is just Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, which can work for some people, I suppose. And if it is Chevy Chase, uh, how do you feel about Chevy Chase? Well, I used to really like him. Mm-hmm. And then I, I liked the show Community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so I was always a big fan of that show. And then all this like came out that he was like just a horrible human being afterwards. So I'm sort of a little soured on him. Because like, but I mean, again, it's like, you know Hollywood rumors, and I like sort of like hate to even like. Well, I mean there there have been a lot of articles written both by people who've interviewed him and by people who had experiences with him and then talked about it that paint a not awesome picture. Of yeah, what I'm pretty it's sure like, to like Donald him. Glover hated him, and I really like Donald Glover, mm, and yes. so and that so that doesn't bode well for Chevy Chase. Yeah, speaking for myself too, I'm sort of on the same position where. I don't know much of his other work. I never watched 1970s SNL, so and I've never seen Fletch or anything like that. Maybe we should catch. Have up you with seen that like one. the National Lampoon's movies? Not really. Oh, those are pretty good. I'm sure they're great, but most of my <laughs> exposure to Chevy Chase is also Community. And while I liked that show, I never liked the character he played to the point, in fact, where I kind of felt like it ruined the show. It it took me out of the show even the fact that the other characters continued to spend time with that character bothered me and i sort of stopped watching there's a particular episode that's a lot about the way chevy chase's character on community treats the others and that and they forgive him for being a particularly egregious asshole and that's when i stopped watching the show because i couldn't i was like i can't deal with this guy anymore yeah so i guess 
not a huge Chevy Chase fan. And I guess we'll see if it ruins this movie too, yeah. if he is in it. Uh, so you suspect Harold Ramis directed it. Do you know what it's about? No, I just know it ha- I assume it just centers around golfing. I mean, maybe it's a prequel to uh, Happy Gilmore. I, I don't <laughs> know. I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know what it is about golf and comedies now that I'm saying that. Like, it's sort of a weird... I mean, golf isn't like a particularly like funny sport. It's a sport that gives you a lot of time to talk, I guess. So yeah. if you're chatty comedi- comedian, it gives you a lot of opportunities for that. Well, what I think it is, is that my suspicion is that this is going to be a quintessential slobs versus snobs movie. And so I think it's going to be, there's a slobs golf course and it's going to have to save itself from going out of business and or being taken over by the nearby snobs golf course, you know, Mm -hmm. and it may come down to like a climactic golf tournament or something like that, where they have to play for their survival. You know, it's it's a summer camp comedy concept too, but maybe it comes from this film. But I think it's going to be your quintessential slobs or snobs thing. And this is based off of the one scene that I've kind of caught on TV. So, as you mentioned, uh, Bill Murray is kind of fighting a groundhog or a gopher. Yeah. So I've seen oh, right. that. It's gopher. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And I saw that he uses, like, dynamite against it. And uh, what what I think is going to happen is that either a good shot from the bad guys will go bad or a bad shot from the good guys will go good because the like shockwave from the explosion will adjust the trajectory and move the ball. Or do you think it's possible that like someone will, you know, hit the golf ball and as it lands there's an explosion and it seems visually that the golf ball caused the explosion. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing too. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. I think that's a possibility. Yeah. If there's dynamite I didn't see that clip, though, so I don't know. I, I think I see him using one of those classic, like, push-down... Like Acme? Yeah, exactly. Says TNT on it. Ex- yeah, that, that 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 exact kind of thing. Yeah. Um, golf ball explosion could be fun. I hope that is what happens, actually, because that'd be funnier. <laughs> also, because this came out in 1980, I anticipate there's going to be some kind of retrograde sexism. Oh, yeah, that that's, that's almost guaranteed. Yeah, and it, to the point where... There might even be a sexual encounter that to modern audience, it, it'll be a joke, but to modern audiences will play borderline sexual assault or rape. Oh, dear. A la, you know, like Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, that's a pretty extreme example, though. But I think, I feel like this movie could conceivably have something like that. Yeah, sort of another slobs versus snobs. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yeah, I feel like that genre in particular is uh, rife with that exact sort of thing. Yeah, Animal House of... is that in a way. Yeah, yeah, it's it does. like a nice fraternity and like the crappy fraternity. I don't know. I'm just making this up now. But... There is that. And also the nice fraternity, there's some kind of thing. Don't they like, doesn't someone take advantage of a girl who's way too drunk or something? I mean, it's about a fraternity that's pro- almost certainly happens in it. I, I don't know. I'm actually just guessing though. Hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I'm expecting that in this movie too. And then the last prediction I wrote down for myself, and we've kind of danced around it. I am not expecting this to be particularly funny. Like, I I sort of feel like this is going to be overrated. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess I would say I think it's going to be funny just because I've heard so many good things about it. But I guess it's not like from anyone I know personally. So it's probably, 
maybe I'm just like relying on the fact that it's like considered a classic. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it, it's because I've heard so many things about it being great that I'm going the other way. Like, I don't think it can live. Yeah. And it's also that thing that we've said where comedy doesn't necessarily survive very well over time. Like, I, I hear most of the lists that I see made and the commentary I see on it are people who are older than us. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to live up to, you know, their. I think what it does have going glasses. for it. I think what it has going for it, though, is how Ghostbusters holds up. Yeah. Bill Murray's funny and mm-hmm. a good actor. So that has that going for it. But I also thought he was the main character in the movie. You're, you're suggesting he might be a, a smaller character. Right. So that, and if it's like, if Rodney Dangerfield is the main character, that would definitely change my perception of the movie, I assume. Yeah. And uh, what's that other movie that Harold Ramis did? I think we mentioned it earlier. Well, he did Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, which was a good movie. Animal House. Animal House is. Well, I haven't seen that recently enough to, to judge if it's like great or not, but there's definitely funny parts in that movie. Yeah, I think here I think Animal House mostly holds up. Yeah. Uh, he did National Lampoons. Um, yeah, and and like so Chevy Chase in National the National Lampoon movies, like uh, you know, Christmas He did it. Vacation, I think. Yeah. Like those are pretty funny movies. I can't believe you've never seen that like during like the holidays. It's all, it's one of those movies that's just like on TV. It's like the Christmas story in like that. I've seen the Christmas story a uh, ten thousand times. Maybe I'm just always tuning into that instead. Yeah, you should watch. You should watch the National Lampoon's one. All right, I'll catch up with it. I guess. Yeah, but if you hate Chevy Chase, it's probably gonna. Yeah, that's kind of been part of it. Yeah. I don't really care for him. But uh, all right. Um. Well, as we wrap up here in part one, do you have any other predictions you want to make before we watch this movie? No, I think I'm good to watch it. All right. Well, in that case, with some trepidation on my part, maybe a little more optimism on your part, let's watch Caddyshack. All right, sounds good. Welcome to the Bushwood Country Club. The membership's exclusive. You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? The help is outrageous. The madness is contagious. Bad language, fooling around on the course, poor caddying. But this whole place... Caddyshack. Starring Chevy Chase as Ty Webb. Who is that disgusting man over there? A sportsman who really knows how to score. So, what brings you to this uh, nape of the woods, neck of the wave? How come you're here? Rodney Dangerfield as Al Servant, a big shot. My dinky's bigger than your whole boat! With an even bigger mouth. Hey, somebody step on a duck. <laughs> Ted Knight as Judge Smales, a man of dignity <laughs> and a sense of fair play. I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Michael O'Keefe as Danny Noonan, a caddy who wants an education and gets one. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. Cindy Morgan as Lacey Underall. She's got a bad reputation, and she's working hard to keep it. You want to tie me up with some of your ties? And Bill Murray as Carl Spackler. Uh, just a harmless squirrel, not a plastic explosive or anything. Nothing to be worried about. He's not crazy about gophers, <coughs> but he is crazy. License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. And introducing Mr. Gopher as himself. You got to give me I said freeze, gopher! Caddyshack. 
It's all about swinging. Kiss me, you fool. But not on the course. Hey, you want to make $14 the hard way? Ah! Playing a good game. Catch the ball. He got all of that one. And talking a better one. Hey, I should have stayed home and played with myself. Taking shots. Ah! That was a bum shot. And making time. We couldn't possibly think less of each other. Controlling your drives. Wow! And losing your grip. Ah! It is! You! Out! Or the man's a menace! Caddyshack. The comedy with... So that was Caddyshack. Alright. Alright, you know. We watched it. Yeah, we did. We did watch it. Um, what did you think? Well... I was surprised about how much didn't happen in that movie. Yeah. Like, it was hard to... Yeah, I... It definitely wasn't as funny as I had hoped. I'll say that. I, it's not, it wasn't horrible. No. It, it, actually, I'm going to say I went in thinking that it would not be funny. And I wound up thinking it was funny. And I did enjoy it, I would say more than i anticipated that being said i still think it was a little overrated and you're right very little happens yeah there wasn't really a plot i mean you could you could put up pick out things but like until like the last like competition there's not a lot of movie there yeah there just isn't a lot to it 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 reminded me very much of like okay this is like some saturday night live characters we have here mm-hmm and uh let's just sort of like improv with it which yeah. is like can be can actually be really funny for movies you know i imagine like anchorman or something like that is like basically that too but like you know those are kind of like there's like more they're like, tied together around more of a plot yeah you know even if I, I could excuse there not being much of a plot if there was like more just like hilarity yeah it wasn't quite funny enough to ju- justify it i i think to be honest, a uh, comparison I made earlier wound up being very apt, which is that it felt a little like a Family Guy episode, where just, like, there were a lot of scenes that didn't have a lot to do with each other. Yeah, especially because, and I'm sure we'll get into this, especially because how it was cut. Yeah. There was, like, it almost, like, oh, closing scene. There was, like, commercial breaks built into the movie, yeah, which is, was. like, hard to explain on a podcast unless you see it. All right, well, let's circle back to that. Yeah. For starters... I'm going to talk a little bit about the background of the movie, and this one doesn't have too much going on there, but there were a few things that I found on Wikipedia that were kind of interesting. So, number one, the movie was inspired by the writers uh, having worked as caddies in their youth. Have you ever done that? No, I've never caddied. I've had friends that caddied, and I remember, like, as a kid, that was always, like, a cool job to have, because, like, they supposedly got, like, paid really well for, like, a you know, basically, like, a kid working... Right, a kid job. A, sh- a kid job. Uh, so I was always like, oh, that'd be a cool job. Not that, But I never like knew how to golf or anything like that. Right. So it wasn't really... Well, that was going to be my follow-up question is, do you know anything about golf? Um, Sort of. I mean, knowing much is not, is probably a stretch. But like, I've golfed before. Okay. Are you I any own good? golf clubs. Oh, shit. Well, yeah, but I've only gone a few times. I'm not good. 
my brother got me golf clubs for like when I was his best man. Oh, that's quite a gift. Yeah, so like I got like sort of like an introductory set, so it's like not like many clubs, but it's like sort of the ones you need, mm-hmm. you know, to just play like a basic, you know, round of golf or whatever. You don't have a special Billy club that you kiss and make out with when you're ready to go. I don't think they call them Billy clubs. Well, that was no, but the judges <laughs> named his club Billy. Oh, is that what he named? I it? I think he named it Billy. Yeah. Oh, Billy, 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 Billy. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, I know a Billy Club is uh, <laughs> something very different. <laughs> yeah, so I've I've golfed and uh, I'm not like horrible for like going going a few times, but I'm definitely not a good golfer. Okay, for me, I've never golfed. I had the same experience as you though, in that uh, people I knew as a kid worked as caddies and would occasionally talk about it. Also, being pretty good. Did, did you ever go to like a driving range or anything like that? No, I've oh. never done anything golf related other than mini golf. Yeah, so I know nothing about it. And I don't know if that took away from my ability to appreciate this movie or not, but I sort of feel like I got the gist of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're obviously aware of the rules of golf. Yeah. You know, the general ones. Anyway. And I, I, am, I have a vague sense of what's considered to be good form, but, right. uh, both in terms of like what a swing should look like and also what's considered proper etiquette. Yeah, yeah. definitely not certain behaviors we saw on the golf course. No, no. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Another thing is that, so, as it turns out, Chevy Chase is in this movie, as is Bill Murray, and uh, there's this scene where uh, Chevy Chase's character, Ty, his golf ball goes into Bill Murray's character, Carl's house, and they have a scene together. That wasn't originally in the script. It was added later because uh, while they're filming, Harold Ramis realized that the two of them didn't share a scene together and they were two of the biggest stars in the movie. Right. Uh, however, there was the small problem in that Chevy Chase and Bill Murray did not really like each other. They sort of were feuding due to the fact that it basically uh, they didn't like each other from their SNL days. Oh. Yeah. And so they were not really on good terms, but they were at least willing to be professional and yeah. film this scene together. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why that's the only scene where the two of them interact, though. It's, you know, they wanted to do the one, but they didn't want to force them to be together any more than necessary. Interesting. Yeah. And I guess we'll talk about that scene when it comes up, because it is an interesting one. Yeah. It stands out. Definitely. Yeah. And then um, Cindy Morgan, who played the uh, promiscuous hottie. She was very attractive. She was. Um, the scene where he's massaging her before they start uh, right. making out. That was also improved, and so the all massage of, was improv. The whole scene was improv, and so all of her reactions to him and what he's doing were real, like actually in the moment. So, but they did set up that it was supposed to be a massage, I assume. Yeah, I, I mean, it had so. to be because there was like massage oil, right? This, you know, it around. was there for them to use. Yeah, yeah, but it just you know, there are several moments in it where it appears that he is making her uncomfortable, and those are natural reactions in the moment those aren't scripted oh yeah um so that's kind of interesting and we'll talk about chevy chase in a second sure lastly and i thought this was an important thing to discuss or at least point out in later years the production became infamous for the amount of drug usage which occurred on set with supporting actor peter burkrot describing cocaine as the fuel that kept the film running i can see that definitely and it, I was actually surprised with how much, like, open drug use was 
portrayed. Portrayed for the time. Yeah, well, it's so it's 1980, so the 60s and 70s have happened, so, you know, there's a lot of grass. Yeah. But there was never any coke, and I sort of assumed... Well, they gave me the reference... Well, I mean, they, they made sort of like an offhanded reference to it when he... Sn- well, I mean, I'm snorting sort of. the salt. He snorted the salt when he was taking a tequila shot. Which he doesn't wind up taking. Right. Yeah. And also, can you imagine how bad it would hurt to snort salt? Uh, I feel like I've known someone that did that. Like, in that same scenario where you, like, do it, like, as a... But they... But you take the tequila shot. Wouldn't that hurt incredibly badly? Yeah, oh, yeah. Badly? It, would incre- it would hurt incredibly badly. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I mean, I believe it. I mean, you know, it seems like the right time period for a lot of coke. Yeah. But it was interesting, like, thinking back, like, how much it... It wasn't played as, like, a... This is, like, a hard... I mean, you just assume in that era, it's like, oh, drugs are so bad. But then you're like, oh, no, I guess it was, like, kind of, like, a thing people did then, too. Well, there's even a line at the beginning of the movie where Chevy Chase is talking to the person who turns out to be the main character, Danny. uh, And he's like, you do drugs, Danny? Every day. Yeah, good. That's a pretty good line. Good. Oh, yeah. No, I, it actually brought me into the movie more than anything else yeah. in the beginning. I liked it a lot. All right. Well, so this movie was directed by Harold Ramis. Our prediction on that was correct. Oh, good. Harold Ramis is known for directing National Lampoon's Vacation, Groundhog Day, and also a little movie called Analyze This. Oh, he did that movie? Yeah. I think I knew that, but I forgot. It's kind of weird. That was a huge hit, and it's so forgettable. Yeah. I forget that movie exists. Yeah, I remember it was a big thing at the time, though. Huge. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, all sorts of, like, parodies of it and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just in and out. It's like the avatar of its day. No cultural impact long term. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of, like, best pictures, too. Yeah, definitely. Well, anyway, so what did you think of the directing of this movie? You already started talking about the way the scenes were edited together yeah it was strange so what he's talking about is that this movie has all of these scene transitions from one scene to another where it's not a regular cut it's a fade to black and then a fade back in it's the kind of thing you would see if it was on tv and they were going to commercial break except this is happening just in i mean we watched this movie streaming on hulu so it's possible that they may have done that but i don't think so i I think those were actually in the film and it's such a weird way to cut your movie together yeah it really breaks up the action it feels unnatural yeah and it definitely made it seem even more so of a like a collection of scenes yeah very disjointed and especially too because scene you would fade out on like there was no natural flow from one scene to another so a scene would just end you would fade to black, and then you would fade in on a completely unrelated scene with characters that have nothing to do with anything that came before, and then that scene would fade out, and you would just come back in, and it just felt very broken up. There was a couple weird, at least one anyway, wash cut, I think is what they call it, when you like, like a bar goes across the screen, like a- Oh yeah, the kind you see- Swipes across the uh, screen. A lot in Star Wars, you get those, yeah. yeah. I don't like those either. No, it seems very amateur. Like, I would do that on, like, iMovie. Right. It, it, all, it I mean, you know, not that we're professional filmmakers or anything, but as an audience member, it makes the editing very apparent, where I sort of feel like the goal in editing is for it to be seamless and invisible. Right. Like, if you're doing a good job, it. you don't notice it. It's right? like an offensive lineman. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, but this was very noticeable. There was even, you know, a couple of times 
I think it's like a scene would fade out and then we fade in on another scene that would last like 30 seconds and then fade back out again. It just you, you didn't even need the, the fade outs took too much time and you just cut to something completely unrelated that took almost no time at all. It was, it was just very weird and very family guy-ish. It was like a cutaway gag and family guy. Yeah. But slow. I don't want to rag on Harold Ramis as a director. Maybe this is the editor's fault, but I just I, I really don't like the way this film was put together. It did seem like his directing style is sort of <clears throat> let people kind of just improv and you'll like film them. Yeah. That's sort of my impression, which can work like we said, like in, you know, a lot of modern comedies. Yeah, I'm usually kind of critical of that style of filmmaking, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends how extreme it is. I mean, there's certain ones that are like, you know, the whole movie's like improv, like, you know, like Best in Show and those types of movies. Yeah. Um, but then there's like, you know, like any movie that like Will Ferrell's in and like the, that like kind of crew, like they're sort of like ad-libbing a lot of... They point the camera at him and say, riff. Yeah, they'll give him like a, you know, a general structure. Yeah. And then that seems like more like this, um, I, how I assume. Um, but the problem with those is it's very dependent on do you get a good cut yeah and i I don't don't know there were a few scenes that did have uh, a little bit more going on like the the boat being out of control scene and the the pool party scene where there was sort of a lot of choreography i guess i mean the boat one they had to have put a lot of work into because it looked incredibly dangerous if anything had gone wrong yeah but generally i've seen other harold ramus movies like groundhog day and stuff like that and thought they were very good so i don't think this paints him as a bad director in general but i don't think this was a very strong directing effort it's just a very i mean i guess this goes to the writing too it's a very slight film it's just not a lot to it yeah it definitely i mean we'll guess we'll get final judgments later but it definitely doesn't ring as like a classic no it's very surprising that that's its reputation now all right well as you say, we'll get back to that when we're doing final judgments. Let's talk about the cast a little. We'll start with Chevy Chase, who is top build in yes. this movie. I know I came in not thinking very highly of Chevy Chase, but I actually kind of liked him in this. I thought he might have been the best in the movie. I agree. Yeah. I, I think he's the best part of the movie. He, as for as much as I expressed a dislike for him and my experience with him as an older actor, this version of Chevy Chase that I wasn't as familiar with, I liked a lot. He had a very um, easygoing charm. Yeah, I mean, he plays a different character in this than he does in, like, you know, the National Lampoons, like, uh, like Vacation. Yeah, he's high-strung in that, right? Uh, yeah, Where but super I, laid back I will say, this. so, like, I sort of have a similar feeling of like modern day Chevy Chase but like I see I did like his earlier stuff and I did think he's funny in those older movies so like I sort of um I didn't have as low a threshold as like I didn't think it was going to be as like a he was going to be bad in it Mm -hmm. but I was also even with that I was still sort of surprised I thought he was a better part of the movie than I thought he was going to be because sometimes he can seem very like obviously chevy chase yes and he did seem to play like i mean like you definitely get that and like it's definitely his humor but he did seem to be playing like a unique character in a way as well yeah yeah and one that i generally enjoyed although so he does in this movie that thing that thing yeah is this the movie where that is originally from or is that just a chevy chase thing that he was bringing back for this movie. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like that's like from something else, but like that could, I, I guess that could be the origin. Yeah, I feel like this probably would be that, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if this movie is thought of as a classic in that way, it's probably because it's got this classic the na character, right? Unless it's like a a thing, like I mean, because Saturday Night Live could be the origin of a lot of stuff. And they just sort of like take those like it's like saying a catchphrase. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, so anyway, well, that was anyway something that I'd heard of before, and now I guess I've seen at least where maybe it got. It big. probably came from this. Is is my guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of people with catchphrases and big personas that may have been famous before this even we've got rodney dangerfield he was definitely famous before this yeah 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 sure yeah and he was definitely playing rodney dangerfield yeah i mean you wouldn't expect anything else i suppose it was sort of exactly what i expected yeah same yeah Yeah. he's just exactly rodney Rodney yeah so if you like rodney dangerfield you'll get more of what you like and if you're just like not super enthused with it you know it's that's sort of how you'll feel so I am, like I said, not super into the Rodney Dangerfield shtick, but I was able to tolerate it in this movie for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate Rodney Dangerfield. So I don't like, hate him, but I, yeah. I, I, I find him exhausting. And I guess that's kind of the joke, right? That other right. people find him exhausting. He's There's a weird thing with him where I feel like I don't really dig his persona watching it in movies. But I feel like if I hung out with him in person, it'd be great. Like, he seems like a really fun guy to hang out with. Or you'd never get a word in edgewise. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he'd probably be funny in real life. But he's probably also not exactly that in real life. I don't know. I kind of feel... So, I think that's exactly what he's like in real life. Maybe I'm wrong, but do you get the sense from him that this whole Rodney Dangerfield persona that he does is a mask that's intended to hide incredibly deep-seated insecurities. I mean, that's that's so that's so deep we're going right now. I'm not sure. I never really thought about it. Doesn't it seem to you like you look at him and just, you know... I mean, isn't that all comedians, it, though? It is, sort of, but it's so incredibly true in this case, maybe. Yeah. But I, I his his personality is so big... And it's so designed to dominate the environment that it just strikes me as potentially, what do I know? But it seems like it's deflection. It's like he's a person who has such social anxiety that he has to be this incredibly dominant force in order to feel safe. Maybe. I, so I'm just, I'm just more interested in like his character in the movie. So obviously he's meant to be funny. It's a comedy. It's like supposed to be hilarious. Um, I don't know if like the director cared about this aspect of it but is are you supposed to empathize with his character at all or is it is it purely like hey it's supposed to be funny whatever you just take it for what it's worth because like so if we're taking it as like this movie is like the snobs versus slobs kind of which it battle. turned out to be yeah um although i will point out i was not correct about how it would unfold there was no second uh golf oh, no, club yeah. course Definitely, that they were yeah. fighting against it's all unfolding within one golf club right so ronnie dangerfield is definitely a slob character yes but you know usually those are like the underdog like good guys you know again because no one wants to say you're the snob right so like but i couldn't really empathize he was kind of a dick in the movie he was a huge dick but i think what they're going for is he's clearly nouveau riche right yeah, because he's so crass and tasteless. And I think what they're going for is that even though he's actually probably the richest person in the movie, he's still someone who 
basically hasn't fallen into that old money uh, set of habits where it's all conservative and repressed and repressive. You know, so even though he's kind of a bully himself, he's doing it. it, it it's like the celebration of bad taste. Right. You know, like that. that's what, you know, we're celebrating here is the, the courage to be so distinctly yourself and not repressed by this horrible, you know, repressive environment, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. But it's just a strange thing where you're like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to identify with him, but. But I, I also feel like he's a little much. Yeah, you're like a terrible person. I would find him a little tough to tolerate for too long, even though I just said he might be really fun to hang out with. Maybe not for that long. Yeah, I mean, it sort of depends on, like, if you're, like, you know, in on the joke with him. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I don't really care for country clubs, so I appreciate the fact that he's thumbing his nose at their rules and regulations and doesn't take their self-seriousness, you know, too much to heart. Right. But, it, like, if he was behaving that way, say, at, like, a theater, you know, or yeah. at, I don't know, at a wedding, maybe, someplace where I actually care about it unfolding properly, right? then I might really hate him. Right. Yeah. It does, uh, it was interesting when you, uh, made the comment about this is why they wouldn't let him, a person like that, in to these places. A per- what do you mean by a person like that, Dan? Well, you mentioned that he was uh, Jewish. Yeah, this is why they don't let Jews into these places. Yeah. Because they uh, they don't behave right. Yeah. Some people should not be allowed into a country club. So it's sort of, subver- like, um, it, it was sort of poking fun at the, like, you know, rich white guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, because they even, like, made made like some of the rich white people out to be like a little bit racist like when they made that like colored person joke yeah yeah Yeah. well uh, all right well speaking of that exact character we have ted knight playing judge smales yeah smells smalls (laughs) uh i thought he was really good yeah i mean he did he did a good job yeah he he played that rich white kind of racist kind of anti-semitic kind of sexist guy perfectly to a t yeah he seemed very believable right yeah and he was, so these three guys, Chevy Chase and Rodney Dangerfield are top build, and they're the people I most associate with this movie. They are not actually in it very much. Did you notice how little screen time they actually have? Well, I mean, it's sort of weird that, I don't, I don't know if I, the movie's so broken up that there, there's a lot of like equal, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess it's like the kid that's the caddy. And uh, the judge have the most. Are right. those the two kind of main characters? You'd yeah. Say? Well, that's sort of what I was thinking. Like Ted Knight, the judge, actually has a ton of screen time compared yeah. to the other two, uh, Chevy Chase and Rodney Dangerfield. Ted Knight's in almost all the scenes because he's in the, all the caddy scenes, and he's in all of the uh, you know adults Chevy Chase Rodney Dangerfield scenes. Did you find that you could not care less about? his actual plight as like oh he's like trying to get like a scholarship it seemed like so like why is this even important yeah i i did find that and i think that goes to the problem that we were talking about earlier about not having a very strong sense of what this the narrative thrust of this film is yeah you know the the stakes were not really portrayed very well 
and we we only visited them occasionally and interrupted by all of this other stuff. So, you know, by so we have our main character who turns out to be Michael O'Keefe as Danny Noonan, and we'll talk about his acting in a second, but just generally there's like his story throughout about he wants this caddy scholarship, but then by the end it also comes down to being this uh this golf tournament for all this money and you're like what and it ties to and then he like doesn't bit, need but... the scholarship at the end like he doesn't care that yeah, like, he's he rejects it. it but you're just sort of like whatever and then he has like a, a girlfriend that's like wh- why <sighs> yeah. is this character exist? all right well we'll, we'll, we'll get okay. to that but uh what did you think of michael o'keefe as danny he was fine i didn't really like sort of he's not very memorable he's not memorable yeah same he's a little bland yeah nothing particularly funny about him no, no, he's, I feel like it's not entirely his fault because he's saddled with being the straight man around whom all of this uh, craziness happens. That's true. I guess that was his role. Yeah, but yeah, just not, not super memorable. After him, Bill Murray's in this movie. He plays Carl Spackler, this groundskeeper. What was go- what was the deal with this character? I mean, that definitely seems like it's just like a character in a sketch comedy show. Yeah, it was so exaggerated, and you know Rodney Dangerfield was exaggerated too, and so was J- everyone was. But Bill Murray's character seemed particularly cartoonish in his way, like m- the most unreal character. Yeah, um, I mean, did he have a an, a mental disorder? Was he injured? He definitely had a mental brain? disorder. I think. Yeah, like he was like a uh, sort of a crazed yeah person i'm trying to... he is crazed but he also has this like you know the way his jaw was askew all the time yeah you know it's like is he meant to be like slow what was going on with him yeah i don't know did you like that performance because i usually like bill murray i didn't really love this character yeah i didn't think i'm trying to think like on its own on its on its if i take the character how it is like did he do a good job portraying that character as opposed to like well but i mean unlike danny who you feel like was a scripted character bill murray's feels like they let him improv a lot so that he bears more than the normal amount of responsibility for how this character turned out that's a good point yeah i mean i it's just such a it was so out of the blue this whole character that it was i guess it was like part of it i liked um i don't know i thought it was an interesting choice like it was like sort of felt like a he was like a crazy vietnam like i almost got like a pox apocalypse now like yeah influence in there somehow right and i thought that could have been the deal with him but i i don't unless i'm i slash elmer fudd yeah the definitely a lot of uh, looney tunes aspects to him but he even makes that like sort of bugs bunny he says what's up doc and the yeah. gophers fighting does bugs bunny uh tunneling yes you know so yeah there's there's definite clear references to looney tunes with him but he just, I, I never felt like I understood why he was like this. And I guess you don't have to, but it was distracting because yeah. he was so bizarre. All right. A few people we don't have to talk to as much. I just want to point them out. We have Sarah Holcomb as Maggie, uh, Danny's Irish girlfriend, who was saddled with a very unfortunate haircut. Yeah. Oh, definitely. my God. And then uh, Cindy Morgan played Lacey Underall. I don't think I ever caught her name throughout the entirety of this film. They probably said it, but she was really just the hot girl. Yeah. 
Yeah, she was memorable though. <laughs> she was that. Yes, she 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 did fulfill that. I do sort of want to say something about the Irish girlfriend. Uh, please do. So she was almost like the most bizarre to me as a character. Really? Yeah. Why? Because like okay, so like all right, Bill Murray has a weird character, right? But yeah. it's like you know, it's a weird. F- so like, this is a comedy, right? Yes. And so. You know, when we're, like, breaking down a comedy, sometimes that, like, almost, like, misses the point of comedy sometimes. Sure. You're, like, trying to get this, like, the plot, narrative plot threads and things like that. And, like, you know, with, like I said before, like, with a funny movie, you can sort of excuse a lot. It's, like, it's supposed to be funny. All that what matters I- is, did you laugh? Right. And so, like, you know, you get these, like, weird character moments and stuff like that with, like, Bill Murray and, like, you know, uh, Rodney Dangerfield and whatever. But you're, like, okay, they're comedian. They're just, like, playing a funny part and you're supposed to laugh at them. Where this, like, other thread was this, like, small sub-thread of the Irish girlfriend who gets pregnant, we think, possibly. It's very serious. It's very serious. She's not ever really funny. She's not even really, like, a, a sexy hot chick who was supposed to be just, like, ogling. Yeah. So... Well, she's the counterpoint to the hot chick. Yeah, and then, so, we... And there's... It's not like they develop a relationship, like, in the movie. They just sort of have it. Yeah, and then he like cheats on her with the hot chick, but like nothing comes of that. And then she gets pregnant, and then it turns out, oh no, she's not actually pregnant. So, what was the point of her? I guess, well, as I think is unfortunately the case in a lot of movies, she's basically there to give the male character some character stakes and an arc because she doesn't have much that develops for her. But in what you described, I think Danny's arc with her is that he starts off as her boyfriend is a bad boyfriend and cheats on her but then when we think that she might be pregnant he comes around and realizes how bad a boyfriend he's been and does the right thing and is like i will marry you and i'll be here for you and it like it helps his emotional development i guess yeah i guess that's the logic behind it it's not great for her as a character and it's also not done very well for him either. Well, it doesn't really resolve with him either. Yeah. Like, it's not like he, like... But I think that's yeah. what they were going for. Yeah, I, I guess that's that's true. But yeah. I was very confused by that whole... I think rightly so. Yeah. Okay, well, lastly, I want to mention Dan Rezin because he plays a character and the only thing I want to point out about him is this. It's his name. His character's called Dr. Beeper. Oh, so that's what that was. I, I guess. I sort of figured that out because we were trying to figure out, it was like a what weird was that remote object, yeah. And but then his name is Doctor Beeper, yeah. It's just I thought that was funny. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he that definitely was some sort of like pager before pagers existed for doctors, right? Yeah. And so I guess it wasn't as funny because we didn't fully understand what it was. But there's a part towards the end where he keeps getting these like frantic pages on his beeper, but he's at the game and he can't get to a phone, so he's like, eh, I'm sure it's not that important, right? Yeah, that well, person's dead. Yeah. That's fine. All right. So let's talk about the plot, finally. And uh, so to compare some of our predictions to it, we've gotten to some of them, but I will also say I was right. It comes down to a climactic golf tournament, and there's the climactic. It all comes down to one shot, right? One right. putt. And Bill Murray, he's he does fight a gopher, and he does blow things up with dynamite, and the explosion moves the ball for our heroes to win. And uh, I think, as we just described, there was some retrograde sexism. Not horrible. No. Although there wasn't any like rapey bits. There were no rapey bits. Although um Chevy Chase does kind of get that girl drunk and doesn't drink himself. 
Oh, that's true. And he, was he not? So I didn't know. That's what I was trying to figure out. Was he not drinking at all? Or was it just that like weird shot? He was like, it was like just a quick gag that he wasn't taking. It's probably shot. more what you're saying. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. Because they were hanging out all night. So he probably had been drinking the whole time. You're yeah. Right. He did that. Like, I, he was, he was like mixing that weird, like this, the sparkling waters together. Was that? I never got that though. It was like there's something more to that, or was he just like, oh, he had two open sparkling waters, who's making trying to seem like it was a new fresh one? I think that's what it was going, yeah. or just Chevy Chase being weird. Yeah. Okay. There wasn't like something else was like. I don't think there's anything that. deeper. No. Okay. Yeah. So okay, when this movie starts, I I felt like one there was a surprisingly elegant uh, overture to start the movie. Do you remember the music at the beginning? Oh yeah, it's like classic eighties. Well, it goes into, so the soundtrack of this movie was actually really, really good. Yeah. I liked the music throughout. And there's a really fun Kenny Loggins song that kicks the movie off. But um, before that, there's just this, like, this classical music segment. Oh, right. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I was like, wow, this is a little heavier than I was anticipated. But then it launches into that great 80s, 80s music. Yeah, it gets you right in. Yeah, it actually did get me kind of excited. And yeah. you've got this cute puppet of a gopher. He's yeah. dancing to it. It's cute. It was a cute puppet. Yeah, it wasn't bad. You know, sometimes that can be like sort of groan-inducing. Yes. I mean, I did. it was a little groan-inducing, but it was cute. It was it, cute enough that it like... It, it held fine. up better than I expected, definitely. Because yeah. I was expecting to think it was terrible. Yeah, it sort of like also gave me a little deja vu to Full House. How I don't so? know if that was deliberate. Do you remember like... um. Like the intro? Dave Coulier's character had yeah. a little gopher that, you know, he was like a comedian in the show. I don't remember the gopher. Oh, man. He, or he does a wood. Ch- it's a woodchuck. Oh. And he, I, I'm not going to do the voice, but he does like a woodchuck impression. Are you sure you don't want to do the voice? Oh, I can't, especially with my, my cold right now. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Do yeah. you think he was consciously aping this film? That's what I'm curious about. I'm, I'm wondering. Huh. Anywho, we see Danny's house and he's going on his way to work. And I just wanted to mention that there's this thing with 80s movies where kids always seem to have such weird methods for exiting their homes. Like no one ever a lot of time they're sneaking out, but Danny's just going to work and he goes out the window onto the fire escape and then like climbs onto his porch and like, yeah, goes out. Why? I think it's just like a 70s, 80s thing. Like, it's that generation. It's a little, like... Everyone's got their Generation X, right? So they're, like, gonna be, like... Kinda, a little a little rebellious, a little wild. Yeah, yeah. I can picture, like, my brother doing that. He was a child of that era. It gives them personality to leave their house in such a weird way. Yeah, also, definitely. Why does just a regular old house have a fire escape? Well, it's a second... You know, it's got multiple floors. Probably, like, you know, they're... they're multiple they're, floors? Well, like, I don't know. I mean, they're, like... You know, they're a poor family. They're probably living in, like, a multi... There were like 25 people in that house, I guess. It was more like a tenement than a home. Right. Okay. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Like, we first started that movie. I'm like, is this like a... A halfway house? No, not a halfway house, but like a... You know, it's like all the adopted children, like our our foster home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Yeah, it's like short-term 12. Yeah. Uh, Also, um, another sign of the times is that the the bag of clubs that Danny is carrying as a caddy is a cigarette-branded caddy bag yeah and they were smoking a lot in the movie yeah although kind of less than i expected like i've done a lot of older films on this podcast that were like 70s or 80s and it always stands out when people are smoking a shitload especially indoors this one had less of it than i expected yeah i guess i don't watch a lot of movie 
or I haven't been watching a lot of movies like you have for this podcast. So like I, it was a little more apparent to me how much they were right. smoking. Right. Yeah. It just for me, it, it was more surprising that they smoked so little, you know? Yeah. But so we have Bushwood country club is the name of the place. And we also get, I that, assume that's a deliberate like innuendo bush and wood. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, those sort of jokes in the movie. Like, what else? I mean, I don't know, just, like, a lot of, like, little references. I wish I could think one off the top of my head, but... Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, And so, so here we are at the start, and I'm trying to look at my notes to launch into describing the plot, but it's like we said, all, so much of my notes I have written down are, this movie is very disjointed, fade out slash, is this a commercial break? Like, it's hard to describe the plot because there isn't a lot of it. I mean, I guess I would say the plot is, so the main caddy is, like, trying to get into college, but he can't pay for it. So he has to win this caddy scholarship. So he has to win the caddy scholarship. Right. And then there's all these, like, other people that go to the country club, and it, like, sort of tells their stories. Yeah, so we have our main- the periphery of Yeah, he's surrounded by all these colorful characters. Yeah. Yeah. So, with our caddy, Danny, uh, the main thing he has to do is impress this judge, Judge Snails, who runs the caddy scholarship. So, he's trying to suck up this judge, who turns out to be a huge asshole. Uh, And we know that, too, because one of the first things he does is tell this joke to a priest, and it goes like this. Uh, Did you hear the one about the Jew, the Catholic, and the colored boy who went to heaven? And we never hear the punchline, but I think we can assume it's racist. Yeah. And or anti-Semitic and or anti-Catholic. Probably all three. Oh, definitely all three. Yeah. And they have a good long laugh about that. Yeah. Um, we, we talked about how we expected there to be sexism, but we forgot to mention racism. Well, I would say in defense of that, it was meant to be... Yeah, it wasn't meant, like... It's oh, meant to paint him as a bad guy. Yeah, it makes it paints him as a bad guy. So it's not like it's... We're laughing at... It's not like the audience is still like identify with the racism i guess that's true yes it was portraying racism not being racist yeah along with all those other things because you do see immediately after like uh the the black character being really pissed yeah yeah so you identify with him right 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 yeah Yeah. fair fair enough fair enough um and so you know then rodney dangerfield rolls in and he's rodney dangerfield and he's pissing everyone off then uh our hottie shows up Lacey, who is not wearing a bra ever first never oh never once. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Never. i will say though um a lot of times in 80s films the women especially it, it applies to the men too but the women i think especially are subjected to some very unflattering outfits but that was not the case in this movie i think Lacey was dressed okay for most of it oh yeah she had a, she had um normal attractive outfits yeah like fashionable for even like if she were in this era you would you wouldn't have it wouldn't be like noticeably weird or anything right well i think i think what's going on here is that this movie was made in 1980 and so you know the first year or two of a decade is actually really just the decade before so this is more like a late 70s thing than an 80s thing totally and the 70s it's also i also wonder when they filmed it oh yeah probably in the late 70s right yeah and and i think the 70s were okay for fashion i'm yeah. At least for women, maybe not for men. And yeah. certainly not for decor. No, Holy shit. So, d- do you remember the decor of Chevy Chase's home? Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. And no, that the, wasn't... It, well, in the judge's home. The judge's home was also horrible. Yeah. It was way too much carpeting. 
everything was in different shades of brown, not enough lighting, everything was too dark, everything was very cramped, there's just too much stuff, like, it's very busy. Chevy Chase's place had all those uh, faux Japanese uh, wall dividers. Yeah, they do make a joke about it. They say uh, she, she wonders if he his decorator was Benihana, which is like one of those uh, Jap- faux Japanese like, right. restaurants. Yeah, very, uh, very crass. Right. Yeah. Um, does did he also say that his decorator was a homo? I like missed the setup to that. I heard him say the he word. says the word homo though. Yeah, which I guess is another retrograde thing from this film. Yeah, but um, I, for, I didn't catch the context to it either. Yeah, I miss. I, I don't want to speak too much about it because I miss the sort of setup. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, me too. Fair. We could have gone back. I guess we should have went back. I didn't really care <laughs> enough. So we get some opening golf games going on. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield hits the judge right in the balls with a golf ball. Yeah, and makes a, a classic Rodney Dangerfield joke. Would you care to deliver it? Oh, sure. He... Uh, so he hits the golf ball and he says four or yells four as you do when, you know, mm-hmm. you could potentially hit somebody and it hits him in the balls, the judge in the balls. And he says, oh, I should have said two. Hey, which is, you know, that's it's a, it's a good one. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I dug it. There were a few Rodney Dangerfield lines that I enjoyed in this. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the like, thing when he like Rodney Dangerfield is classic, like machine gun fire jokes. And so they don't all necessarily have to land. Right. But, you know, when you're spraying that many jokes, you know, in machine gun, you don't have to be precise. You just have to hit a, hit the target a couple times. Yeah. Some of them are bound to hit eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, here's another note I have. What's with all the commercial breaks? Then, uh, so Danny gets on the judge's good side by covering for him when the judge, in his fury, throws a golf club and nails some woman with it. Yeah. We don't see the, the hit, which is actually was weird because that's a classic slapstick, you know, you hit hit someone yeah get hurt. although i guess getting like it was, looked like an older woman and getting hit with a golf club might actually be a little too violent to be funny i disagree <laughs> okay <laughs> that's fair yeah so danny covers for him and that's how he gets in on the judge's good side so now he's on the he's on track he's he's getting getting towards yeah. that scholarship uh and then we have this this dance this evening at the golf at the club, club yeah yeah and uh, Rodney Dangerfield is still pissing everybody off, but we get introduced to some other people, like the grandson of the judge, who opens that scene asking someone, are you going to eat your fat? Yeah. Ew. He just wants to eat. I, I know we in like nutrition nowadays, we've come around on fat being okay again, but nonetheless, to just eat the leftover fat on its own, I think could still be considered pretty gross. Yeah, that's pretty gross. That said, I have seen you finish some chicken wings with just the joints. That's gristle, not fat. Okay, that's fair. I, look, I make sure that I get all of the food on the wing. I strip the bone bare. Yeah, you're like the Native Americans for I use every. Food. I use every part of the animal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I get my money's worth. Right. Yeah. I don't want to leave anything behind. So... <laughs> Oh my god, we don't have to reveal everything, every gross habit that I have on this. But, um, that poor kid also, though, then drinks a cigarette. Oh but, yeah, he's taking, there's like some shots into it. Maybe, maybe it's implied he's not 21 or 18, whatever the drinking age was at the time. So he's just drinking some leftover drinks that are left on a table. As one does. And, um, he takes this one large shot that's left and, uh, and then immediately realizes the person had put out their cigarette in it. Because it was like, because it was sitting on his tongue. 
and then he runs outside to vomit and he, uh, the only place he can do it apparently i guess other than the ground was in the uh really like nice the, car yeah the moonroof of a car or the sunroof whatever you call it yeah yeah i almost like sympathy puked could you imagine almost swallowing a cigarette butt oh it was horrible yeah yeah Ugh. and then of course the the unfortunate uh driver owner of the car goes and sits, sits right in it yeah. sits right in it yeah but that's that i think is the most egregious example of those like fade outs to other scenes where like the scene fades out we just see the scene of him coming to his car and sitting in it and he's like Ugh, and then it fades back out and we go to a new scene it took it was like 30 seconds yeah because it's not like that character was was that character no, in the was movie nobody. at all? Yeah, yeah. They, that could have just unfolded in the background of a regular scene. You know, they right. didn't need to do it that way. I don't know. So around this time, too, Bill Murray has been tasked with getting rid of this gopher, and his attempts at defeating it uh, escalate over time. So first, he tries to drown it with the water. Yep. And the water sprays all over the golf course, which probably would ruin it. I think. Yeah. Then he tries sniping. Which is where I felt like you were right. Maybe he's like a Vietnam War vet. Yeah, that was sort of the impression I got. But I feel like if he had been, this was the scene where they would have called to that more explicitly. And they never do. Right. He just sort of plays He does mention sniping. the Viet Cong, though, doesn't he? Does he? I, maybe he says Charlie or something like that? No, I think he's... Well, I forget. I think there was a reference to the Viet Cong. But it's not implied that he has PTSD or anything like that. It's just... Yeah, I don't know. He has his gun. All right. Well, and then the last thing he goes to is explosives, which will come in at the end. Also in this scene, uh, Chevy Chase starts hitting on Lacey, uh, our our sexy niece of the judge. And it's at this point that I wonder, has her age in this movie been established? I mean, I assume it's she's at least 18 because she's she's drinking legally. And it might be only 18 at this point. Yeah, I mean, she could be 21, too. I mean, it doesn't she say... She doesn't look like she's 21. No. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. But can we both agree that Chevy Chase appears to be maybe a little too old for her? Yeah, although he, he is a very young Chevy Chase, so it's not like it's old Chevy Chase. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Nowadays, Chevy Chase, definitely. But but he's definitely, like, a still a professional, like, older guy. Like, he's not, like, a young teenager in the movie. Right. And, I mean... You know, she holds her own with him, I guess. But yeah. it just, it really stands out. She also gives him one of the most brutal head turns I've ever seen when he goes in to kiss her. She turns her head so that he just kisses the, oh, right. her temple. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't think I could recover from that. I yeah. might never want to see that person again after getting embarrassed that badly. Yeah. She does, uh, she is like a strong character in a way, though. Yeah, I guess that's true. You like, know, she sets it up where, you know when she sleeps with um the the main character there Danny Danny and he's like making a joke about I don't know if he's making a joke or he's being serious I can't even I, I think would, he's being serious he's being he's like oh you can you know you can still be sleep, with other be people with other people and she just kind of like laughs like yeah. she's like obviously right <laughs> yeah no yeah. true and you know she flirts very aggressively and effectively with uh, Chevy Chase where she say she's into uh bullfights on acid yes interesting line yeah, it seems like it would be very unpleasant. So I don't life. think it was like a slut shaming moment. You know, it seems like they were uh... no, like her her uh, the judge is ashamed of it and wants to keep it quiet. Yeah, but, but she doesn't care. Yeah, and she is portrayed as promiscuous, but it's in terms of her character, she never gets any kind of like 
conservative movie style comeuppance for what she's done. Right. You know, where yeah. it, it shows that if you do this, something bad will happen to you. It's more like she's someone who knows what she wants and goes and gets it. Yeah. Surprisingly progressive for the time, actually. You're right. right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's a good point. I guess also the it, the thing that made me forget about her is that she sort of disappears from the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's definitely there just to be a sex symbol, though. So it's not like yeah. she's like a... We shouldn't also have this as a feminist icon movie. I guess that's like that, true. But... Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think your point is well taken, though. Um, so Ronnie Dangerfield does have a great line in this scene when he goes up to the judge's wife and asks her, "Do you want to make fourteen dollars the hard way?" Yeah, Ooh. I thought that was fucking hilarious, though. So then we get our caddy golf tournament, and this is where we get some of that bad form that we were, I was talking about, where people are yelling when he's trying to take his shot. Is oh, that right? I mean. I thought that was actually something that you couldn't do, but they kept doing it and not getting in trouble for it. So is it really just an etiquette thing? Is that just a socially enforced norm? See, that's, I don't know the answer to that. That said, it's also not like it was a professional tournament. Like the PGA or something, you might have like you would get real rules. thrown out if you did something like that. you get like thrown that. out. But this is just like, it's a private club. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's probably more of an etiquette thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um... And then after that, we get uh, one of the main set pieces of the movie, which is a uh, caddy day at the pool. Yes. Um, there's a lot of chaos and some of the most uh, interesting directorial flushes. Uh, directorial. We get some flourishes. Other... Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was really struggling with that there. Yeah. Directorial flourishes like uh, the caddies just busting out and synchronized swimming all of a sudden. Yeah, that might have been the cleverest joke in the whole thing, I think, because it's so out of left field. Yeah, that seems like classic. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't say classic Halloween is because I don't know enough about it. No, I think you're right. There's this absurdist quality to it that feels of a piece with something like Animal House or um, maybe not Ghostbusters, but Animal House. Yeah. Feels like something that would happen there. Just the randomness of it. I will also say so. In this scene, Lacey shows up, and this is where it's not so progressive because Lacey is, you know, considered within the context of the film to be very attractive. And the moment she arrives at the pool, every guy in the place drops everything and just starts drooling over her. Like, people are ogling the shit out of her. And she's cool with it. She seems to be enjoying the attention, but it is, like, such overwhelming staring. Yeah. I was interested. I was found it interesting that she's playing a sex symbol, obviously, and they even show her naked in, in other scenes. But she was wearing a one piece bathing suit. Yeah, like is is that like a was that just the style at the time? Or I am assuming so. Yeah, because obviously it's like they can show nudity in this movie. So I was kind of like, why wouldn't she be wearing a two piece bathing suit? I don't know. Maybe it's a ratings thing. Yeah, but there's. Oh, no, but there was another girl who was in a two-piece. It it was also a girl that was topless in the pool. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I guess, you know, it just goes to show you can still be attractive in a two-piece bathing suit, I guess. Or one-piece? Yes, that's right. Yeah. No, you definitely can be, though. I wouldn't have thought so. Oh, no. Yeah. Sometimes they're, they're like, fashionable now. They're coming back. I don't believe it. No way. (laughs) Well, um... Uh, our main guy Danny is incredibly rude to his girlfriend in the scene though and that he's basically talking to his girlfriend and then Lacey shows up and he just drops off mid-sentence to stare at this other girl in the previous scene they had just had sex too yeah 
And and not only that, but she's sort of like is annoyed about it and like coughs to get his attention. Yeah. And he doesn't even no. it is I mean, come on, man. Have you no sense of how to treat another human being? She's right next to you. It's like at least think about it from your own perspective of like maintain your relationship, man. Yeah. God damn. And um this scene I, I reference Family Guy. I think the scene is explicitly parodied in an episode of Family Guy too. There's a lot of family guy relationships to this movie. Ooh. Feels like we get then uh, Chevy Chase then sleeps with Lacey, and oh, we also get um, right after Lacey takes an actually very impressive dive off the diving board. Um, yeah, you know. definitely a stunt double for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty impressive. But then we get the famous uh, Baby Ruth bar in the pool scene. Yeah, I didn't know that was a scene in the movie. I definitely heard jokes about Baby Ruth looking like. A turd. A turd in water before. Which it certainly did. Yeah, I didn't know if that that, that was like a sort of just a general joke, a common thing, and they like sort of put this to film, or like he sort of originated it in this movie. I'm guessing probably the former. Yeah. But um, they had the uh, the good sense to set it to the Jaws theme. Yeah, that was pretty That was pretty well done. And also the, the stampede out of the water afterwards consciously reflects that Jaws scene where everyone's stampeding out of the water too. Yeah, so. and I... I I'm glad they sort of committed with him, uh, with uh, Bill Murray's character taking a bite out of it in in front of the shocked and horrific, horrified uh, old old Diddy. woman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that was funny. She faints. Yeah, yeah. After this, we have a day at the yacht club, and this is where we have people smoking weed just right out in the open. Yeah, I couldn't like. Is this just a thing with movies where in every movie people are just way more flagrant about their drug use? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm curious since we didn't really grow. We we were both born after. 1980 so was it like not a big deal then assuming you were like white and rich i think that it probably was a big deal and movies are just you know willing to let people get away with it more like i can't imagine you being at a yacht club even at that time period and just smoking a joint at a table well you wouldn't have done it in front of the like old rich people but like, they were mixed in they were sitting at a table mixed in with all these other folks they were just right there you know like it's just it's just shockingly brazen to me <laughs> i and especially with something like marijuana which makes you paranoid right yeah like would you be willing to do that i mean i guess maybe that maybe you're safer for being so brazen yeah no one would expect it right out in the open like this right yeah but you probably have a point too about you know we're rich and who's gonna fuck with us here right right yeah, we're at a private club. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so Rodney Dangerfield ruins the judge's boat with his own boat, which is hilariously called Seafood. Yeah, that was a that's a that's a funny name for a boat. It's, it sure is. And uh, this is where to Danny finally sleeps with Lacey in a very sexy sex scene. Yeah, it seems like he goes down on her. Yeah, it does. Yeah, good. Which yeah. was, but that's interesting for the time. I didn't know that was like something they'd like suggest. I hadn't realized they'd like invented that. it at that point in time. <laughs> I thought that that was something that came out in the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we also get at this point an old man decides to play golf in a driving rainstorm. Oh right, I almost forgot about this scene. I don't know how I did, but what was... the fuck? Like, like okay, yeah. so, so again, this had nothing to do with the plot at all. No, it's it just, was just randomly like a... inserted. Yeah, although it was like sort of pretty funny, so I guess I, I'll, I'll excuse it for that reason. I guess, but it, it it's like, first of all, you it, it's a classic thing that you're told not to do is play 
or you're you're never supposed to be on a golf course when there's lightning because there's a high risk of being struck by lightning because right. you're the tallest thing available. Yeah, you're you're ca- literally carrying a lightning rod. Yeah, that too. And but also just forget the lightning. It is raining so hard. What yeah. is this old man doing out there? Well, that's the joke. I mean, I know, yeah. but it's just so crazy. I'm like, what is going? Well, he's playing. He's playing the best round of his life. <sighs> yeah, and I you guess. can't stop because you got to. So you got to take it in. You have to look at it like you're someone who's obsessed with golf. Yeah, and like the people who play golf like this, they're like, oh, like you got to get your good score. You whatever. can't stop. Yeah, and so you're like, yeah, can't stop. And it's like picture like a gambler, like a good set of hands. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But point is, he does in fact get struck by lightning and die, which brought to mind an anecdote, which I didn't realize you didn't know. And maybe listeners, you did not know this. I don't know, Dan, are you familiar with the movie The Passion of the Christ? Uh, I'm familiar with the movie. Have you seen it? Uh, no. I've seen, well, sort of. I I take it back. I've seen parts of it, which is a weird movie to see parts of, I suppose. Um, which parts? Well, I saw some, it seems like the whole, I've seen a good amount of it. It seems like the whole movie, I was going to say like the torture part, but that's like the whole movie. Yeah. Right? Well, that's sort of the most memorable part. Yeah. I've seen like some of those scenes. I, I sort of like didn't didn't really have a strong interest in continuing the movie it just seems sort of gratuitous and ridiculous to me but that is a fair assessment <laughs> okay. although i will just say like just from a filmmaking standpoint those those torture scenes are incredible yeah i i mean it was obviously like a big cultural touchstone so it was like i was sort of interested in seeing it yeah for that for reason that reason yeah and you know for all of mel gibson's many many flaws he has like an eye for direction i agree yeah um it's it's a shame he's a horrible person because he's actually kind of a good director yeah yeah Yeah. well yeah and you know the violence in that movie is as someone put it to me once that i liked the violence in that movie is sublime (laughs) um but the point of the story is that when filming the passion of the christ jim caviezel who plays jesus was filming the scene where jesus is delivering the sermon on the mount and he was struck by lightning. Now, are we sure this actually had, it seems like one of those just so stories. Yeah, that, but I've read interviews with Jim Caviezel where he's talked about it. So it's interesting. Is that a good sign or a bad sign for the movie? I think it's got to be a bad one, right? Yeah. I mean, they it, it wasn't just any character. It was Jesus. Right. Jim Caviezel's way of brushing it off was he looks up at the sky and says, didn't like that take, huh? (laughs) I mean, I get, I mean, how do you get struck by lightning and not have to go to the hospital? He probably did. Yeah. I mean, it's not a minor thing that happens to a person. Yeah. I guess you wouldn't really be delivering quippy lines right as after being struck by lightning. Although you might be all amped up because you're, you're juiced with all that. Yeah. Literally with amps. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have also, um, in my life been shocked with a dangerous amount of electricity wow. and yeah. And I, was after, this the refrigerator? Yeah. Oh, I remember you telling me this story. Yeah. So long story short, a short circuited fridge. Uh, I, when I touched the handle, I was, um, electrocuted by it. Not literally because to be electrocuted is to die, but yeah. is that, is that true? Yeah. If you're electrocuted, that technically means you died. So are you just shocked? Is that the term? Yeah. 
Yeah. You see, you got shocked, but it doesn't sound as good. And I feel like commonly, you can say you're electrocuted. Yeah, it's the common understanding, right? Yeah. But so yeah, and I was like, you know, it it froze me in place. Like I yeah, couldn't. It sounds horrible. It was pretty horrible. But afterwards, when I was finally t- gotten off of it, I was uh, kind of manic. Yeah. And it could have just been like because my heart rate was up and everything, but I, de- you know, first of all, my hair was standing on end the way you'd see it in a movie. Classic. And yeah, and I, I couldn't sit still. I was just like, I was just like manically walking around, probably because just I was all amped up from what had just happened. Yeah. yeah. But uh, who knows? You got charged. You got charged. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you were Iron Man, it would have been really helpful, but yeah, I could have shot it right back at that fridge and fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think I think it's a great going... scene, by the way. In uh... oh, in Avengers, yeah, yeah, it is. It's probably one of the best ones in Avengers. <laughs> but um, a lot of the hilarious injuries that have happened to me have come out on this podcast. <laughs> all right, so we start heading towards the end of this movie. Which uh, first of all, Maggie thinks that she's pregnant, and we get Danny doing the chivalrous thing and offering to marry her. Because you know she's probably got to have the baby, right? She's Irish. She said. She said she's already decided to keep it. Yeah, yeah, and so she doesn't want to marry him though, which I thought was interesting. Because yeah. you know, if you're in that situation, wouldn't you want to? I guess, but he's a loser, and it might not be his. Oh, right. <laughs> we also get uh, the judge confronting Danny for having slept with his niece, and I did like his line here where he says, "I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber." Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's hilarious. Definitely a dick, that <laughs> judge. But uh, nonetheless, it finally turns out that Maggie's not pregnant. And if I was not pregnant, I would dance too. Yeah, I was wondering what was happening in the scene because they didn't reveal that she wasn't no. pregnant. She's just dancing in like this white gown. I know. I, thing. I, I was like, did she lose her mind? Is this like yeah. the moment where this movie gets really intense and it turns out she has to go to a sanitarium or something? Right. No, but it turns out to be perfectly logical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and finally. That said. Yeah. Bold choice wearing an all white outfit when you find out you're not pregnant. If you uh, <laughs> catch my drift. Yeah. yeah. Because Dance. of grass stains. Oh, right. Yes. The yeah. grass stains. The yeah, grass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he might not even have had to ask why she was so happy if she'd been wearing it for long enough. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we finally come to the end of the movie and the climactic golf game, which is a two, two V two, uh, the judge and Dr. Beeper versus Chevy Chase and Rodney Dangerfield first for 20,000, then 40,000. And then ultimately at the end, $80,000. Yeah. Which in, you know, this is 1980. Yeah. So it's a lot nowadays, but then in today's money, that is $500 million. <laughs> I mean, uh, not literally. Well, I mean, to give you some perspective, earlier in the film, uh, Danny goes to buy a Coca-Cola, and the guy tries to charge her 50 cents, and that's an outrageous amount within the context of the movie. He's like, I'm not paying 50 cents for a Coke. Right. Can yeah. you imagine? My God. Yeah. 50 cents is a crazy amount for a Coke. I think I spent like 250 on a Coke today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and just before this game, we get the uh, the Chevy Chase Bill Murray scene where Bill Murray offers Chevy Chase uh, a Bob Marley joint. Just oh, right. That well, he, like, yeah. yeah, it's not just that though. He he's uh, crossbred his own form of uh, grass for the um, the green, the green, and it it also doubles as like marijuana, which is a pretty incredible invention, actually. Yeah, if it's real, that's that would be pretty profitable. 
I mean, you could be playing and then just reach down and pick the grass up and smoke it right there. Yeah. It's literally grass. Yeah. Yeah. And that, but Bill Murray gets Chevy Chase to do what he calls a cannonball, which is you smoke the joint and then drink alcohol at the same time. Had you ever heard this term? Before? No, I hadn't. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, not in terms of like the wording. I mean, maybe that makes sense if I thought about it more, but like, you know, you got to get some, uh, you know, you get a dry throat from smoking that big joint. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. What did you think of these two titans of 1980s comedy finally face to face? Yeah, I wasn't like, it was like a, just a weird scene. Yeah. It, it it didn't make a ton of sense and it wasn't particularly funny. And also, I think the fact that they had never interacted before and never interact again afterwards just drives home the thing we've been talking about, about how disjointed and separate this, you know, the different worlds of this movie seem to be. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the point of the, that scene, sort of, well, how besides the they just wanted to put the two actors together, I guess, was, so in earlier in the movie, it, it's established that Chevy Chase's character is like an amazing golfer. Right. And what, but he, he never plays against anybody. He never plays for any stakes. Yeah. And so, and he agrees to this, this competition. Like he, he's a, a reluctant at first, but he agrees because he hates the judge too. And I guess he gets nervous. So he's like out really late at night practicing because he's like trying to get the nerves out and he's like playing terribly, which is why his ball ends up in uh, Bill Murray's house. Right. He has the centipedes dilemma. What is this? It's um, is it like is it like the human centipedes dilemma? <laughs> that would make which a, is like which would be worse? That would make this movie very different, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, it's um, it's the idea. So uh, this uh, centipede is talking to an ant, and the ant is like, "Wow, it's really amazing how you're able to control all those legs all at once and so elegantly. How do you do it?" And the centipede says, "I've never really thought about it before. I always just sort of did it." And from that point on, the centipede was never able to walk right because all. Oh, I never, never thought, heard this before. Right, but the the idea yeah. of it is that just like these things you do without thinking about them, once you actually turn your mind and consciously think about how you do it, all of a sudden you lose you lose it. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's like the yips. Yeah, you know, it's it's getting inside your own head. Oh, definitely. That's a real that's yeah. a real phenomenon. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so, but I I always just sort of liked that term for it, and I feel like it's applicable in so many situations. You know, yeah. I have a lot of trouble blanking my own mind to do that. So I get the centipedes dilemma constantly. Right. And Chevy Chase's whole shtick throughout the whole thing is that he's like this Zen golfer who he, you know, because he doesn't care about the game, really. He just likes to play. That's why he's so good. Yeah, he's actually, he actually golfs blindfold occasionally. And is amazing. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Beca- yeah. Because his mind's a blank. He talks about that exact thing about keeping his mind empty and blank. But now that he actually cares, he's no good anymore. And so that makes the game very close run because suddenly Chevy Chase is no good anymore. Yeah, and Roddy Dangerfield is bad too, which he wasn't established as being bad until this tournament. It becomes clear right away, yeah. But fortunately, Rodney Dangerfield is able to weasel his way out of the situation and get Danny to tap in as a player. Right. Right. Which is also necessary because the judge has been cheating the whole time. Right. What a dick. Yeah. Classic judge. I know, right? I I mean... I don't know very much about golf, but I do know at least enough to know that to cheat at golf is considered incredibly lowbrow. Yeah, it's not not a good look. Yeah. Um, so Danny makes his his final choice about where his loyalties are going to lie, right? Is he going to pursue 
material happiness and you know future comfort and a good quote-unquote regular life by sucking up to the judge or is he going to stand up for the slobs and play against the judge in the tournament and although he will get uh dry dangerfield says he'll take care of him if he uh that's he true wins. he it does give him an in with the actual richest guy in the room so yeah. maybe it'll work out fine for him after yeah. all but he does choose the slobs and that's the important thing right uh and it all comes down to a final shot which uh you and i were wondering how it could because the final shot is to tie the game and so we were like how's that going to work out but then it turns out Rodney Dangerfield at the last moment does double or nothing on the last shot. So it yeah. literally is, does he make it or not? It's a coin flip. Right. And um, we get a line here from the judge, which I've seen all over the place, which is, well, we're waiting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that is. Had you heard that before? I suppose I have, yeah. I've seen that as like gifts and as quotes. Like, I think that might actually be the number one most referenced line from this movie that I'd seen without knowing where it came from. Yeah, I'd have to think about that, but uh, I've uh, it sounds familiar enough. So yeah, it's also delivered hilariously. Yeah, I think it's that that guy was pretty good throughout, but especially in that one moment. But anyway, so Danny takes the shot, and as I predicted, it comes to the edge. But Bill Murray's gigantic explosion, trying to kill the gopher, knocks it in, and they win. And everything's okay, including the gopher who made it out. Yeah, survived. Definitely. You can't kill a cute animal in a movie. That's never, especially a comedy. Seriously. I know. Yeah. So yeah, I was glad to see the gopher was okay. And then he dances us out to Kenny Loggins. Right. And yeah. that's the end. Yay. Yeah. Caddyshack. So before we get into our final thoughts about the movie, we're just going to talk a little bit about how it did. So this movie had a budget of $6 million. Do you want to take a crack at what its box office was? Wow. Um, I'm going to say it made money, but didn't do great. It did okay. It made $39.8 million. Yeah, seems okay, but I don't know, like, what the, like, I mean, how much, I don't know how much movies typically make past their budget. Well, I don't know what it's like back then. But what I have read, and this could always be wrong, but I've read in a couple of different spots at this point, is that at least for a modern day big budget movie, there's the budget for the film. But because these are giant tentpole movies, they usually spend about that much marketing. on marketing. Yeah, no, so there's yeah. that hidden cost that's actually huge. So for in order for a big movie nowadays to at least break even, they want to make approximately double their budget. Okay. But in either case, it seems like this this film made money yeah. at the very least. So that's good. Interestingly enough, it was only really a hit in the U.S. There's only one other country in the world where this movie was particularly popular. Do you want to take a crack at what that might have been? Wow. Uh, is it like Scotland or Ireland? Close. Denmark. Denmark? Yeah. And so you... you we're on a logical track going with Scotland or Ireland because of the golf angle, yes, right? Yeah. What, the the, re the reason it was popular in Denmark, I guess, is that the distributor knew that Bill Murray was popular in Denmark. So he recut the film to make Bill Murray much more of a major character. How is that possible? First of all, it's a, it's not a long movie to begin with. It's only like an hour and a half long. Right. And so, and Bill Murray's not in a lot of the movies. So right. you have to cut out. 20 minutes of the film is yeah. what he did. He cut out 20 minutes of the movie. Weird, right? Yeah. 
kind of false advertising. Probably too. all the uh, Irish uh, girlfriend scenes are probably gone. I don't know. Maybe in Denmark they uh, they would find that particularly funny. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Well, anyway, so in terms of what uh, people thought of the film, it's got a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics. So decent, but not good. Right. Um, the audience score is a little better. It's 87%. Um, reviews at the time are mostly not that great. Its status, like what we were talking about earlier, has built up more over time. It kind of got a cult following. Okay. There are a few positive reviews from the time. So Gene Siskel liked the movie. He said... Caddyshack has a low-budget look that warmly welcomes the all-important teenage audience. Okay. Clark Collis, writing for Empire Magazine, which is a British film magazine, said, It's not big, and it's not clever, but it's very, very funny. On the negative side, Michael Blowen for the Boston Globe said, Caddyshack represents everything that is wrong with contemporary film comedy. Oh. Yeah. Ouch. I don't know if I'd go that far. Yeah. Clearly an ultra conservative. Yeah, he was he's the he's the judge character, I guess. Yeah. I mean Boston Globe, right? Yeah. Especially at that time. Very parochial town back then. <laughs> uh Arthur Knight for the Hollywood Reporter said to attempt a critical evaluation of Orion's new Caddyshack is a little like describing the aesthetic qualities of an outhouse. Gee. God damn. Some of these reviews are better than the jokes in the movie itself. Yeah. <laughs> Ebert said, and this is in counterpoint to his partner, Siskel, Caddyshack never finds a consistent comic note of its own, but it plays host to all sorts of approaches from its stars, who sometimes hardly seem to be occupying the same movie. The movie never really develops a plot, but maybe it doesn't want to. Caddyshack feels more like a movie that was written rather loosely so that when shooting began, there was freedom, too much freedom, to for it to wander off in all directions in search of comic inspiration. Wow, I actually like really agree with that. Oftentimes, Roger Ebert just hits the nail right on the head. Yeah. Like, we spend like an hour talking about what we think of the movie, and then we come down to it, and Ebert gets it done in like two sentences. Yeah, I guess that's why he was uh, so one famous. of the greats. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um. And then lastly, just uh, Harold Ramis himself says that uh, he can barely watch the movie. Quote, all I see are a bunch of compromises and things that should have that could have been better, such as everyone's poor golf swings, except for uh, uh, the guy who played the judge. Oh, he did have a good swing. He I mean, the, not like a, a like not a good golf swing, but like a a memorable, like bad swing. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. OK. Um, and then just about its legacy. Bravo in 2006 listed it as number two on its list of the 100 funniest movies. See, maybe that it's like, I wonder like where I looked at my initial list for like getting inspiration to watch this movie. Maybe it was that. You may have come across that, but that's not the only place where I've heard things like that. Yeah. You know, I hear that commonly. And I also hear this point too, which is in uh, 2008. AFI listed it as number seven on a top ten list of sports movies. Yeah. Again, I like, I think sports movies are generally pretty bad. So I, I can get behind that. Yeah. Generally, there's a few that I like. Yeah. But I mean, this is not, well, I guess it is sort of a sports movie, but it's not like a, a, a sports sports movie. Right. Right. Yeah. It takes place a, a adjacent to a sport. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so here we are at the end. Dan, when it all comes down to it, what did you think of Caddyshack? I thought it was okay. I mean, like, the problem is 
I thought it was going to be like, I mean, it was built up as like, it's going to be a great movie. And I didn't necessarily think it was going to be one of the best comedies of all time, but I actually had some hopes in my like, you know. You were hoping it would surprise you? Yeah, that I thought it maybe it would really live up to like some of those like really high praises. Uh, and it definitely didn't. Mm. Um, so it was like, okay. It was, I could take it or leave it as a movie. It just like wasn't, it definitely was not a great movie. It definitely wasn't even, it's not even Harold Ramis's best movie. Never mind one of the best comedies of all time. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think I know where you're going with this, but just to settle it for once and for all, Dan, is this movie better late or never? Keeping in mind that when I ask this question, better late means that there's something essential about the film, that it's uh, an important movie to have in your movie-watching bank, you know, as as a movie fan. Or never, which means if you go the rest of your life never having seen this film, that'd be okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with never. Mm. Yeah, and it's not like, if it's on TV and you're like, you're curious about it, sure, watch it, but... Don't go out of your way. Don't go out of your way. And uh, for my case, I am going to 100% co-sign what you just said. I did wind up enjoying it more than I anticipated I would, but nonetheless, I didn't love it. There are a few standout moments and a few fantastic lines that I really enjoyed, but like... I think you might have liked it more than I did, which is weird because I thought I would like it more than you, even if we both like didn't love it. Well, maybe that just goes to show that it all came down to what our, our prior expectations were. Yeah, that's possible. You know, mine were exceeded and yours were not hit. But right. at the same time, mine weren't exceeded enough that I can say better late. So I'm also yeah. going to go with never. I don't think you really need to see this film. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show for today. If you would like to contact the podcast, email us at betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com or tweet at us at betterlate underscore pod. Dan, it was great to finally get you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dave. I appreciate it. I'd like to get you back again, maybe to watch something a little better next time. Yeah, let's let's do another one. Yeah, right on. All right, well, catch you all next time. Bye-bye. Nobody about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be?